Want legendary service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Whether you're starting a business or growing a business, one of the biggest challenges you face is access to capital. Where do you find investors? How do you get a loan? It's a problem that is not at all unique to Baton Rouge, but in a mid-sized city like this when it can be particularly challenging for entrepreneurs and business owners. We hear a lot about it on this show. My first guest today is in the business of helping find solutions to the access to capital dilemma. He owns Cardinal Capital, a commercial loan and equity brokerage house. It's a relatively new venture for Rob Powell, who has more than two decades experience with some successful companies, including Grand Casinos and Rainforest Cafe, both of which he helped take public in the 1990s. Rob has extensive experience in marketing and branding, and his career has taken him around the world. Now he's back in his hometown of Baton Rouge, helping connect business ventures to sources of capital across the country. Rob, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Well, when Rob is helping clients identify sources of financing, among the places he looks is the bank. My next guest today is the bank. Jude Melville, president and CEO of Business First Bank, which is a rapidly growing full-service bank with a particular emphasis, as its name suggests, on being a commercial lending institution with a focus on business clientele. Last year, Business First completed a merger with American Gateway Bank here in Baton Rouge, giving the new Business First Bank assets of more than $1.1 billion and 16 branches around the state. Jude has been at the helm for the past several years and oversaw the merger, which was really more of an acquisition. Jude, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. I appreciate being here and appreciate y'all doing the show. Rob, I'm going to start with you and find out about what Cardinal Capital does. But first, you got in on the ground floor with two really well-known companies Correct. and ended up taking them public. Grand Correct. Casino, which was bought by Harris and is now part of Caesars, right? And Rainforest Cafe. What did you do with the with these companies? What was your role in them? Well, I was, <coughs> excuse me, I was um, in on the ground floor, correct, but I was part of the team that took them public. You can, it, it was not one individual. There's a whole group of us. I was brought in under a marketing role, and at the time when you were moving that fast, you wear many hats. Okay. Largely, my background was in analytics. My graduate work was in analytics, and I, I came in and I would measure literally everything. Um, at the time, I had a, a, the ability to measure image which and we could we could quantify that and then we could uh, add value to the overall brand and help it grow. So we did that. Then I moved all the way up into the director and vice president at the corporate level, so where I handled you name it. And then and and you did that with both of these companies, Correct. and then went on and, and founded another firm that Correct. you were with for several Correct. years. Correct. Uh, PCI was my own company. 
Um, there's no brand equity in the name at all, but we wound up working with foreign governments, the Philippines, Central America as well, um, uh, excuse me, Panama, Central America, helping them develop economic um, free zones, uh, trade zones, and uh, we would use casinos and entertainment venues as an engine to start uh, uh, to get capital moving within those regions. So, Family Matters brought you back to Baton Rouge three years ago. What is it like to be back in a market this size after doing all that exciting stuff all over the world with big public companies? Well, I'm the eternal optimist. I think uh, <laughs> Baton Rouge has got a lot to, um, um, a lot of opportunity here. Um, I came back and that's the first thing that slapped me in the head was, wow, there's so much to do here, so much growth opportunity here, so many fantastic people. Uh, they are just missing one critical component, which is capital. And there's capital sitting on the sidelines throughout the country it somehow has not found its way here to uh, to Baton Rouge, so that's why we form, form Cardinal Capital. And so tell us what Cardinal Capital does. You're well, not a private equity firm nope. or a VC firm, you're nope. a broker. Nope. Correct, correct. We broker funds, and uh, as you alluded to, it's uh, th this is relatively new for me. It's a, uh, I have not been on the capital side, I've always been a, a, a marketing guy, but we would use capital. Now, we, go, we what we'll do is we'll talk to clients, they will come to us, um, or even banks, will come to us and say, hey, we have clients that need some help. They need capital. For one reason or another, they won't fit within a bank uh, model, so they come to us. Banks retain most of their uh, relationships. They retain the merchant services, what have you, and then we'll go find capital other places. H how does Cardinal Capital make money? What we do is we'll take an upfront fee to help package okay. whatever uh, the company is, and then we'll take points on the back end. So we do have a success fee. The front fee is more of a um, a fee to cover our time, uh, where we can go through the finances of the company. We learn more about their, their pros and cons, their, their challenges, their pain points, and we come back to, the, we'll put all that in a, in a nice little package and market it to the lending institutions. We speak banker, if you will. And uh, I have two wonderful partners that are, uh, have decades of experience in this and they, they know, they speak the language. I almost need subtitles sometimes when I talk <laughs> to them to hear, uh, understand what they're talking about, but uh, they, uh, they do it wonderfully and I help put all that together. Jude, when, when guys like Rob or his partner Chris, you know, come to y'all representing a, a, a client, does it help? I mean, what kind of relationship does your bank have, for instance, with a brokerage house like this? Yeah, they're, they're definitely, uh, they're, um, it's a very positive relationship. We haven't done any business with Cardinal yet, but we, we have other partners that we work with. Um, and anytime you can remove some friction in the equation for a, for a small business or an entrepreneur, uh, either to, to get to know the bank in a way that they wouldn't have, or a lot of times uh, to help us do a deal that we might not have done without some, um, some enhancement or some, mm -hmm. uh, some, some sharing of risk, things of that nature. You know, I, I, would, uh, I, I would add one thing to what Rob said about capital in the area. I, I do think that there is capital here. I think what's missing is that a lot of the capital that's on the side um, is, is, uh, is gotten to entrepreneurs uh, informally. So it's kind of mm -hmm. with uh, an angel network. You know, th these things right. do exist here, but there's not a lot of organizational structure to help um, be the intermediary between those two groups. So, I would agree. so folks like Rob at, at Cardinal are, are providing a, a valuable service, and that's something that we as a bank like to do as well. So we, we don't we don't broker uh, loans to other institutions, but but we have uh, we have about 750 investors in the bank, uh, which is a little different for a community bank. Yeah. 
Um, and a lot of those investors are folks that like to make investments in other equity um, ventures from time to time. So, so it's a good chance for us to help develop relationships that even if we, we as a bank, as a regulated financial institution, might not participate. There are there are sources of capital out there that that we can that we can help influence. Mm -hmm. And and so even though y'all have merged now with American Gateway and you're much more of a commercial bank with a presence, you know, on street corners, right. you're still really focused primarily on that business investment piece of Yeah, well we're, we're a full service bank. We were a full service bank before. We just didn't have as many branches. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're we're a full service bank, but we think our I think the the niche in community banking that we can uh, that we can provide an extra level of service to, and we think the niche that over the long run is the uh, the area of community banking that will is most likely to remain relationship oriented is the business banking, and so uh, so yeah we we intend to to continue that focus and uh, but the idea though with the with the merger and and other efforts that are underway is how do we we're still a, a bank, and that means that we need a robust balance sheet, and we need robust relationships. And and so, how do you use the the business capability as a springboard mm -hmm. for a more complete relationship? Now, would a relationship, for instance, for y'all, would would a relationship with a firm like Cardinal Capital give your bank more confidence <coughs> in the you know in the borrower potentially? Uh, I think it's not necessarily. I mean, over time, I'm mm -hmm. sure uh, you know if Rob. And, and I or Rob and our loan officers would get to know to know each other, then then there certainly would be potentially more confidence. Uh, banking today is still relationship oriented, and uh, you know Rob would have an interest in, in treating us right so that we can do business together over a period of time, and not just on a single transaction. So that so that is something that, that takes time to develop, but but certainly that's a. Uh, that's a that's an added value. You, you say that banking today is still relationship oriented, but it's not as much as it used to be in the past, is it? It doesn't seem like it is at the at well, the consumer well, I level. I, I think uh, back to my my answer for the previous question is I think in business banking the opportunity to rely upon relationships mm -hmm. is still there. I think it's harder and harder. Um, the consumer relationship is is obviously becoming commoditized. Right. And so that's an area when, when, yeah, it's just it's just numbers. And so that's an area that's harder and harder for community banks to to make a difference in. Um, and that's why we think the business banking is uh, is uh, still a very valuable opportunity for us long term. Yeah, we, we see a lot of um, uh, banks that will come to us and say, look, we've got a fantastic relationship. This guy's been a wonderful client. He just he either is <laughs> has two problems. He's hit, hit a bad time now. And he needs some help, so we'll go and you know find some bridge funding or what have you to help him through that. Or on the other side, he's growing too fast for the bank, and we love to see those. So it's a uh, good problem to have. It's yeah. a very good problem to have. Mm -hmm. And so the banks will come to us and say, "Look, these guys are. We have a wonderful relationship with them. They've been with us forever. Um, can you help us?" And our job, part of our mission, is to make sure that that relationship is intact and stays there with the bank. We take, I mean, we, we don't own anything. We're not a depository um, institution at all. We just broker the funds and we want to make sure that those relationships stay strong and get stronger with that company because, you know, we, we eventually want to turn them back over and say, here, go, yeah. you know, right. you're, you're, you're successful, go to a You know, in, uh, a, in, a perfect, a in a perfect world, you kind of, the same client, you might hand off multiple times. Exactly. Right, so as they go through the, the different stages in the business cycle, mm -hmm. they might have different needs and, and uh, or so different products even. You different know, products, yeah. You know. 
And, and, and what I was going to say earlier is, so one, one thing is the comfort in the relationship between Arab and myself. The other is the what Rob alluded to, which is the structuring. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of ways that non-banks can structure relationships mm-hmm. in ways that banks cannot. But that structuring brings us extra confidence Correct. in our decision making. Correct. Well, for example, I'll give you, not, not to interrupt you, what, what happens, uh, a case study, somebody comes in to us and they say, we need $3 million loan. Okay. And we'll turn around and after reviewing and packaging after that upfront fee to take a look at what we're, what the situation is they're dealing with, we find out, no, they actually need a million dollars in credit, a million dollar loan, and then, you know, maybe a million dollar uh, in equity placement. So right. yes, they may need $3 million or they may need, in most cases they need more, but it is structured differently. Mm. Now we can provide that input and then we can turn around and come to a bank and say, so you almost, know, almost we like a, a coach. In Correct. Very essence, interesting. Which, which does Correct. help us a great right. deal. Well, I would like to introduce y'all to a special guest, an, a young business person who is joining us. His name is Bradley Sanchez, and he is an entrepreneur whom I thought could benefit from talking to you both about how to grow his business, the salad shop. Bradley is a Baton Rouge native and an LSU graduate who went off to work for a Broadway production company in New York City before returning to his hometown to work in marketing with Pinnacle Entertainment. In 2013, he opened the salad shop on Perkins Road, and then last September, he opened a second location on Corsi. So Bradley, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Seth. And and first things first, real quick, why does a guy who's worked on Broadway and and all the glitz and glamour of the casino industry walk away from it all to open a salad shop? That's funny. And a very good one, by the way. Thank you. Um, it's funny, I'll never forget one of my college mentors, he always told me careers aren't linear when trying to figure out in college what it is exactly that I wanted to do. So I still hold on to that because it's true, my career has definitely not been linear. But um, you know, I, I, my initial um, thought process after graduating from college was to go to and work in New York City for a Broadway theater company in, in marketing. And I was able to do that and I was having a great time. Um, some things happened that forced me to move back to Baton Rouge and so I was I stumbled upon this opportunity with Pinnacle Entertainment which I thought would be sort of a perfect marriage um, between what I was doing and what I was wanting to do and and then while here just um, my parents are entrepreneurs and in 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 that business and they are part uh, my mom is part of a, a franchise she's a franchisee and so I I always had that in the back of my mind that I wanted to work for myself and build something for myself um, so I found it the right opportunity to do so in 2013. Well, you've done well, well enough to open a second location. Mm-hmm. Has it been difficult for you to find the capital to get started and to expand? And and I know you want to grow more still, so. Yeah, I would say it hasn't been difficult for the first two. I was fortunate enough for the initial uh, shop t- that opened in 2013 on Perkins. I was fortunate that my parents were able to self-fund it. Um, and then for the second shop that we opened, six months ago, um, we did take out a small line of credit, but funded most of it through some through the revenue that we were able to generate from the first shop. So um, we, we sort of, we, it was a slow build sure. into that second shop. Um, but what now we're at the point where, you know, we, we need to look at other options. And so what, what made you decide that it was time to open the second shop? We, stu- we just saw an opportunity for it. We were growing really fast on Perkins. Um, and we felt that the Baton Rouge market could handle another shop. So um, we did our surveying and things like that um, and figured out, you know, our, our core demo is weekday work professionals. And so when we surveyed our second location, Corsi Boulevard, um, it was actually, th- 
more populous than Perkins Road when it came to that demographic. So we're super excited about that and we thought it was the right time to make a move. What are your goals? We're still trying to figure that out. We're, we're in the exploratory phase of, of not only um, capital and what are the next steps when it comes to that, but mm -hmm. what it is that we want to do with the salad shop. Mm -hmm. um, how it is that we want to grow. Do we want to grow slowly and privately? Do we want to grow through franchise efforts? Um, is this a franchise itself? It's not. It's not, okay, no, good. So, this not is yet. so you're not restricted not to yeah, buy so any franchise. Yeah, it's completely a startup. And I was able to use my marketing background to really sort of create the concept, the mm -hmm. model. And I was also able to use my parents' experience in the franchise business as franchisees to develop, you know, the operational guides and things like that. It was set up to, to be duplicated. So you it's scalable, so you clearly have Absolutely. a vision yep. of something greater than two stores or? Absolutely, I think so. And it, it, like I said, right now we're in the sort of sandboxing phase of figuring out how it is that and we want to do that. And how old is this company again? Um, we opened in October of 2013, so oh, still okay. relatively so new. So Bradley, you've got president of Business First Bank here mm -hmm. and, and an expert in, in equity and, and, wow. and venture capital. And <laughs> What would you want to know from them? What would you like to ask them? I would say for Rob, it's trying to figure out, you know, we've mentioned um, where the capital is in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. and so. For me, it would be, the, the, the biggest question I would have is, is how to tap into that and how to, you know, explore that. Um, that would be my biggest question. Well, we'll you. talk after the show. No, it's... And what are the best ways of doing that? You know, I know that there's several different ways of for approaching... For small business. Yeah, for a small business. Again, it goes back to what do you want to accomplish. Exactly. Um, and where do you want to go? So if we want to open four, five, six, there's a scalable point, diminishing returns of the whole nine yards, that we, that, but the model has to be built properly. And depending on how that model is built, it, it, the outcome of that will shape where we go to get the funds. Mm -hmm. Okay, because like I alluded to earlier, it could be a mix of credit, loans, equity, you know, the whole uh, spectrum of, of financing options out there. And we've got a lot of tools in our toolbox to help you get to that. The big question is, where do you want to go? And so he needs to have his plan. Or, his or, or we or can something. help him, you know, shepherd him through that and steer you in the right direction. Because in my mind, and this is what I've learned in my experiences, uh, companies, especially at the stage you're, you're at, um, and I, I applaud you for being very deliberate about the goal setting, because most companies do not spend enough time on determining what they want to be when they grow up. Yep. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you, you, you would have a different... No, I, I would agree, I, mean, I would say it's the, the, the need to do is, is, is twofold. One is, if you have the end point in mind, then you're more likely to get there, right? But, but the counter to that also is that um, it's easy for companies to make decisions that make sense in the here and now yeah. mm -hmm. that you might have to redo Correct. or regret later. And Correct. so for something as, as seemingly basic as do you want a franchise or not, mm -hmm. that's a decision that will affect you for 30 years potentially, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and not every decision has that kind of impact. Most of them do not, but there are a handful of, of ones that do. And so the more deterministic you can be about thinking mm -hmm. that through, um, I would encourage you to do that. Yeah, we even, you know, a lot of people don't think of a bank as being a startup, um, but we just started 10 years ago. And one very small thing that we did was we uh, uh, began as a C-Corp and then um, decided that we were probably better suited. There was a little bit of a trend in community banking at the time to become an S-Corp which is a, it's just a way of incorporating that, that has an impact on your taxes. Mm -hmm. 
And then six months later, we were successful enough that we wanted to raise some more capital. And in order to do so, we were too big to be an S-Corp, so we had to go back to being a C-Corp. And there wasn't any permanent damage done, but it was a little bit confusing mm -hmm. for investors to begin with. And they created some extra paperwork. And, and then suddenly you had the, the when you're an S-Corp, you distribute money to pay taxes, and you don't when you're a C-Corp under certain circumstances. So if we had, if we, um, had followed Rob's advice and my <laughs> advice and, and maybe thought through some of that, the structural issues early on, um, uh, again, we, we'd probably still be in the same place, but... but um, That's so interesting. You don't think of, a, of a bank being a startup. No, you think of banks as like just existing just forever. Just big institutions. And, uh, and that's it's interesting that you all really learn, case, so. learn as you go and learn as you grow. Jude, what's the best career advice you've ever been given? Uh, well, it's interesting because it's almost the opposite of what I just, uh, <laughs> what I, what I just said. <laughs> we like <laughs> by, that by on accident. this show. Uh, so I used to be in the military. I was uh, mm -hmm. after, that's how I paid for college. And... Uh, and I spent a little over five years in the military. Thank and you for your service. Thank you. I got, I, got, I got more out of it than the country did, for sure. So um, uh, it was a wonderful part of my life. But I um, had a chance at one point um, to move. I was working at the Pentagon for a couple of years. And uh, then I had a chance to go overseas to the Middle East and be in Turkey. And this was right before September 11th happened. And then I ended up being able to serve over there for, um, for a period of time. Before I left the Pentagon, uh, one of the colonels that I dealt with, um, and it's mostly colonels and generals there, so there, there were a bunch of them, um, uh, told me just to remember that even being in the military, there are very few people uh, whose decisions actually impact in, in a life or death way, anything. So as you're going through and raising, uh, increasing in the ranks and, and having more management responsibilities, don't get too, too stuck on any individual decision because chances are nobody's going to die um, because of the decision that you make. And sometimes as a, as a young leader who um, um, is building a growing business, um, you, you fall, or I fall into the trap of thinking that the, 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 the issue that I'm weighing is going to be existential. And, and um, typically there's not a right or a wrong. There's a, there's a more correct or a more wrong or a more secure it is versus straight. And um, so, so his point to me was, was don't get too caught up um, in the small details. Think, think big. Yeah. I want to go back to something that, that both of y'all mentioned at the beginning, and that was that <coughs> we have money here in Baton Rouge, or at least it's available to entrepreneurs and business people here in Baton Rouge, but sometimes it's just knowing how to find it and, and the lack of organization and structure. Why do you think that is? We're not that far behind the times here, are we? Mm. And I know there have been efforts as well, and then a lot of them haven't panned out. <coughs> Any idea why? Well, I don't. I don't think it's a problem. Just uh, just to Baton Rouge. Just to Baton Rouge. You know, there there are places in the in the country and in the world that you can think of that that it's an established culture, right? Where where how to access capital is an is a known process. You know, Silicon Valley. Um, around Boston, mm -hmm. you know, there there are places where venture capitalists and venture firms congregate. Austin is another place that's done a good job of doing that. Um, but that's uh, there are many cities in the country that aren't Austin or Boston or or uh, Silicon Valley. So I don't think it's just a Baton Rouge thing. I think it's I think it's um, um, a matter of getting some critical mass. And I think we actually have 
made progress in that arena. Have you um, seen a change in the past five, you know, six mm -hmm. years? Yeah, well, I think even the idea of talking about having venture capital funds exist here, um, there's more talk about it, and there are more funds than there, there were 10 years ago, or even five years ago. So, so yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit of uh, traction mm -hmm. um, in, in that arena. So I, I think we're making progress. I think we still have a ways to go. I, I think if there are any, the other, the other thing I would say is that I think Louisiana, just in general, has some, some reputational issues. Mm -hmm. you and think? so it, it, it might be more about the lack of people moving here to start firms than yeah. it is the lack of capital for those firms, in my opinion. I, I agree, Jude. The other side of that is the way, uh, which you're alluding to, is the way the business opportunity is packaged and the way it is presented to firms that either here in Baton Rouge or elsewhere that have the capital available and they want to invest. They, there are people out there that want to but they're not going to invest in a poorly packaged or poorly presented um, you know, business concept mm -hmm. or, you know, next stage. Um, you know, if you're, I don't care if you're making, you know, $10 million to the bottom line or $100 million to the bottom line. If you can't present that properly to, in, to the lending institution or whoever the source of financing is in their language and what's important to them, you're not going to get it. You know, and if you, if you wind up look, sounding like, and, and we, we see this, either fortunately or unfortunately, often, very successful companies, but talking to the person in the language they use, it's like they're, they're, they're still in the garage making their ideas. You know, yeah, which that is. That actually was going to be my advice um, over here was, um, I think a lot of companies make the mistake of um, making a good accounting officer or a good mm -hmm. CFO um, their last hire when they think they're ready to go big. But really, that position <laughs> is what enables you to go big. And your goal when you go talk to people, whether they be investors or banks, um, is to make it as easy as possible to say yes. Mm -hmm. And the only way they're going to do that is if they trust the numbers. Mm -hmm. So uh, your big picture concept and your marketing skills, those are what make the company exist. But don't forget to, <coughs> excuse me, to underlay that um, with some with some financial strength and financial acumen, and I don't mean access to capital, but mm -hmm. ability to discuss numbers and ability really ability to to accurately project mm -hmm. and ability, you know, as a bank, it's a little different. A lot of venture firms want to know what's the upside, right? But a bank wants to know well, what's the downside? Sure. And so the ability to project best and worst case scenarios is uh, is an important. And um, show they're well thought out. Yeah. This is what he's also alluding to. Yep. That's right. so. Jude, that's great advice. Well, y'all, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. So oh, man. I know. Can it's we do it again quick? tomorrow? Well, that <laughs> went quick. So thank you all so much for, for being with us today. Jude Melville of Business First Bank, one of our sponsors here on Out to Lunch. Rob Powell, Cardinal Capital, and Bradley Sanchez of The Salad Shop. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank My you, guests on Out to Lunch today have been Rob Powell, Principal of Cardinal Capital, Jude Melville, President and CEO of Business First Bank, and Bradley Sanchez of The Salad Shop. You can find out more about Cardinal Capital, Business First Bank, and The Salad Shop by following the links on our website, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. 
Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2 for dinner nightly and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music, including his latest album, Puzzle, is available at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Want legendary service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com, member FDIC.